Welcome to the Wisdom Talk Radio Show, bringing you insight, illumination, and inspiration in service to the world. We are a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living, conscious business, conscious relationships, conscious community, and conscious evolution. Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio. I am your host, Aparna. Happy New Year. I am excited to have here on this New Year's um, a topic that is very uh, near and dear to most of our hearts, which is money and, most importantly, our relationship, our personal relationship with money. I have an expert here with us today, Elizabeth from Money Talk and our personal... Thank you, partner. I'm really excited to be here today. Me too, and I, I think that uh, we're both calling in from the uh, same coast, so we are both in uh, California, and not so sunny today, but uh, it's nice to be here uh, just the same. Yeah, no, and excited for the rain, finally. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I wanted to get started, you know, so Elizabeth and I met at the Wisdom LA conference, and I was really intrigued by her session that she was hosting on our relationships with money, and that's kind of what sparked my interest towards this and for the audience, um, looking at, uh, and, and when we went through the actual um, exercise of going deeper into our own personal um, relationship with money it was really interesting the approach that you use where it was very revealing uh, some of the fears and things that we sometimes have associated with money so Elizabeth you've been in this industry for such a long time I would love to kind of um, have you tell us a little bit more about your background mm-hmm. and share with us like what how you got to you know this this place of being at ease with money Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you, Parna. So, you know, this has been a lifelong journey. Um, I feel like I started at 18 um, and I've been on this parallel path of just like such a deep desire for deepening my spirituality and my spiritual path and psychology. And at the same time, I've always been a numbers lady. I love spreadsheets and formulas and they're just something so satisfying about like, like making an equation work. Like it's just like, ah, it feels so satisfying and it complements like the psyche, which can feel so abstract at times. And so I've been developing these two paths for the longest time. I studied econ and finance as my undergraduate. Then I went and worked abroad in Oaxaca and Mexico for two years doing community development, um, running savings and loans groups for different villages and particular women's groups. And there was something that happened in Oaxaca where, you know, I was out in community and everyone thought, well, here she comes. She's got a graduate, not a graduate, an undergraduate degree in economics. She knows her stuff. And there was so much expertise I could bring to the table But when I started interviewing people there and asking them about their experience of wealth, the constant reminder and the constant words that were coming out was wealth is health, community, and a sense of belonging. And, you know, and I was in these villages where it had dirt floors and, um, you know, they were, but they were happy. And it was just this wake up call of Parna that my work was coming back to the States where even though there was so much more material wealth, there was this, sometimes this, this mental poverty that we were dealing with as a culture. And so coming back here and really helping people start to look at their relationship to money and find 
you know, the sense of enoughness and abundance and really figuring out all the edges that were there and treating money as part of their spiritual path and their teacher. And so I had another important encounter when I was on that path, meeting a professor at um, Schumacher College in the UK. And when I was struggling with how do I bring these two things together, his response was, Elizabeth, go back to what the word economics means. And it's the management of the household, right? Managing the resources that we're experiencing inside. And it's, it's like he just summed it up for me. And so then I went ahead and did my, my graduate work in psychology. And since then, I've been in these two worlds of, you know, financial planning and, and investment advisory and behavioral finance and really trying to deal with money and wealth from a holistic lens, you know, making sure our money homes are all in order, but making sure that our, emotion, our money emotions are in order, too. Well, that's great. I think that's quite a journey. And, you know, it brings up a very interesting point because America is one of the richest uh, countries in the world. And yet, and we have quite an abundance of wealth and just about a lot of natural resources and everything at our disposal. But yet, you know, we in our everyday lives get caught up in the struggle sometimes associated with um, with money or finances or just kind of having this uh, need to have more. Right. So it's kind of a what I call a lack mentality. But, you know, uh, one of the things with money or with anything else, uh, especially I come from a yogic path, so that we try and cultivate is an abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. So with money... Um, you know, what are some of the, the things that we can be doing in a, in a, in a day-to-day way where we can shift from that um, lack or feeling not enough of to uh, a mindset where we have, you know, we feel at ease with and at kind of at an abundance level with what we do have? Yeah. So I think the first one that comes up, you know, you heard me say this at the conference in L.A., um, a partner, but one of the, the 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 most impactful images and metaphors that I received along my way is this one quote by a Buddhist teacher, David Loy, and he says, "We're not materialistic enough." And everyone goes, "What do you mean we're not materialistic enough?" And then he goes on and says, "We're not materialistic enough because we get so obsessed with the symbol of the material world, aka money, that we don't step through and live our material life." Right. So if we believe that we're spiritual beings on this material journey and we came here to shape matter, right, shape things, create things, then if we get so obsessed with the doorway, with, you know, money at the doorway, we're not stepping through. And so one of the one of the questions I'm constantly asking clients and people I work with that I will never tire is, where are you? Are you at the doorway or did you step through? Right. Are you obsessed with a lot of things that money brings, which is, you know, sometimes sense of security or self-worth or do I have enough? All these questions, they have to get sorted out. Right. I'm not saying you can just push your way through it. I mean, consciously move your way through. But asking yourself, if you're hearing this talk right now, where are you intuitively? Are you at the doorway or have you stepped through and you're in your living your purpose and living your life? Because when you're in that dance with the material world, like you're saying, a partner, there's so much abundance, right? And so coming at it with that beginner's mind of like, okay, I'm opening my consciousness to my money relationship and figuring that out, but then I'm really stepping through. 
So let's play with that for a second, actually. Um, so when we step through, uh, what is what is taking place? I mean, and I, I, I get that the vision for everybody is, is, is can be individualistic, but, uh, you know, what what is happening when we step through? I mean, it's like when I, when I hear you ask, but I think it's the ultimate co-creation. Right. It's like that. It's like, and it's like, I don't even know, but that's what I'm excited about. Like that is my not so secret hidden agenda that I want everyone to step through. Right. I get to talk to people, Aparna, who won't go see a therapist, but they'll come and they'll talk to me about money. And so we'll, we'll deal with everything and I'll set up spreadsheets and cash flow. So again, you know, a lot of times what I tell people is that my job is to help you discern what money is and what it's not. So let me organize it and tell you what it is and how it can work and how it can play. But your job is to do what money can't do for you, which is to live your life, right? And so sometimes a good metaphor I use here, like let's use people, let's use relationships, right? It's like, how, how can you be in a married or intimate relationships and still remain your sense of self, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes what happens is that we codependently merge with money. And when life isn't happening, how we think we shake our finger, we say money, you're not showing up or money. I'm paying way too much taxes or money. You know, I'm giving it away too easily. And we shake our finger and we give our power away. And so, and so if we start to take responsibility and get organized what money is, and then we step through, it's like, I just see this field of empowered people playing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, you know, and then and I don't know what can happen there, but I know it's like I know magic can happen, right? And that's where I'm like, let's do that, right? Let's do that. Yeah, the magic. Well, and there's a way coming back to your how you started that question is that in our country we have so many resources, and yet we still get stuck at the doorway. Yeah, right? I mean, the, the rest of the world thinks that magic is happening merely by getting a flight to the U.S., right? Right, totally. So I come from an Indian background, and most people think, okay, I got my, it's like winning the lottery. I got a ticket to America. Right. It is like stepping through simply by being here. But by the same token, I mean, it brings up a really good point that we have to check in with ourselves every day. Just like, you know, being mindful uh, is about, you know, being engaged in the present moment and seeing where we are in that space. I think being mindful with money is an extension of that where we check in and we say, you know, what does it feel like when we just release from a space of not having enoughness and uh, kind of unleash into this um, land of uh, fulfillment and, you know, having enough, enough of everything. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, you know, so I come, my back, my family's from Colombia and in Colombia, there's this magic realism, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, wait, how do they get access to magic realism sometimes easier than we do? And it's because some, they, they can have less. And sometimes that makes having less options even easier. You know, it's like in this country of so much opportunity, we also get overwhelmed by way too many options and, you know, keeping up with certain standards and we can lose ourselves. It's like, it cracks me up when people say, Aparna, if I make too much money, I'm not going to make know who I am. And I'm like, "Mm, that's not so much it. It's more like, can you know who you are every step of the way? And, you know, and use money. Like I'm all about cultural creatives and spiritual practitioners having money. I love that because I'm, I don't know. I just, I want to put my bet on you that you're going to create something that the world's never seen before. Oh, that's beautiful. And I love that. I I love to be a a part of that spiritual co-creation. And 
you know, so from that, actually, what would be really helpful is if you can share with us, as you did in L.A., some of the things that people can start looking at in, in our day to day lives. I mean, having an awareness is is great and having an awareness mindset is is something that you had talked about before. But how do we in a tangible way uh, kind of start cultivating habits that create that awareness mindset around money? Mm-hmm. So so much of my work is about people sitting down on a cushion and having a conversation that you experience at Aparna. And I'm not necessarily sure if we're going to do that exercise here, but I can describe it because I think it's one of the most potent work that I'm like, just run with it. And it really, you know, I'm assuming people on this call have their various meditative practices. So for me, it's getting on my cushion, my meditation cushion for you. Maybe it's your yoga mat, like wherever you go, to sit down and have your meditative time, maybe the, the invitation will be that for the next week, right, you find a money object that speaks to you. Um, oh, I just had mine close by. So I'm always speaking to like different dollar bills. Like right now I'm taking people through a three-month program and I have my $50 bill that I'm talking to. Some people talk to a $100 bill. Some people find their lucky $2 bill. Some people find a gold coin or a red envelope, right? Because they're more from the Chinese descent. So whatever speaks to you around, or some people speak to their credit card. So find a money object that you're like, okay, I'm going to talk to you for a week. You include them in your meditative space. And that's important because this is a space that I want you to feel comfortable in, right? This is your space and you're welcoming money in. You didn't get to do this at the conference department, but I always tell people feel the right distance, right? Maybe it's too close to put them on your yoga mat. So give them their own yoga mat, right? Or feel how close you want the two cushions to be. But it, but for so what I'm, eight minutes, it doesn't have to be long. You take your phone and you put two-minute timers so that you can just talk naturally and the phone will pace you, is that you get to simply talk to money, unload what needs to be unloaded. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you're excited to share a project. Maybe you have some emotions that need to be said, just like if it were a friend and you were having a heart to heart, that when the two minute timer goes off, you switch mats or you switch meditation cushions, you turn around and you respond to yourself and you honestly listen to what money has to say. And then you take another turn and you just have this under 10 minute dialogue, which you already experienced a partner and you just see what starts to come up. And so much of my invitation, I know you want to say something really quick is, is coming at it with the beginner's mind of like, okay, let's go to couples therapy with money. Let's just like get it all out so that, so that we can use our relationship to build. And I, I love this because I know when I did this exercise, I will share what came up for me was that since I am um, so uh, delved in deep into my spiritual practice, um, spirituality and money sometimes come with a little, or for me, what was coming up was a little bit of conflict around that because I want to honor the spiritual side, that relationship or cultivating too much of an attachment with money was actually showing up as just that, you know, it's like this attachment of for lack of a better word, negative energy or some sort of energy that I don't want to bring into that space. Right. So, and I'm sure for a lot of our audience, since everybody has their own way of cultivating this relationship, I'm sure that's a, an area that, you know, probably comes up for you a lot. 
So if I may, just use your experience, Aparna. So there's two things that I hear is one is that, you know, sometimes the easiest metaphor is to put this kind of like in a love relationship, right? Because when I'm hearing you say that, it's almost like if I translate that to marriage, it's like, how do I how do I lose myself in this marriage and feel that ecstasy of merging with someone else and yet not lose myself, you know? And so it's the same thing. How do I really create a healthy relationship with money and not take on any of the negative negativity or I hear a lot of people say it just feels dirty to me, like all this stuff that has come from culture or from family or from someone else along our lives. And yet when we're talking about love relationships, people still shake their head and they say, I'm still going to try because I want to have a fulfilling, loving relationship. And that's the beauty of love. It takes us to these places we wouldn't go if there was not a pleasurable outcome, right? And so the same thing, the pleasurable outcome in all of this is having more and more abundance to create with. So that's kind of like the carrot at the end of the cake is like, like imagine the amount of resources you could call into your life to create with, to dance on that field that we were describing. Mm-hmm. And so would you, are you prepared to roll up the sleeves and maybe do the work around touching those places of negativity or shame or insecurity, all these words that often come up, you know, and if you're shaking your head and say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that journey, then that is the journey of the material life, Right. You know, it's like I tell clients that our relationship to money, our relationship to our businesses is just another mirror that will reflect things about us, edges that we're working through. And so if in that experience, you're like, oh, there's some negativity that I'm, I'm, mm, I'm not too sure of. I go, great, let's go there. <gasps> what, where did that come from? What words does that have? You know, and it gets, it can be a very abundant experience because there's always something just around the corner for you to discover here it's so much fun that when we get off uh the phone here i'm going to actually go in and experience some of this um so what are some of the things that come up for people around that uh what are like maybe the top one or two things uh that you recommend people kind of be wary of or be aware of So I think the top two, you named one of them. I get a lot, especially when I'm working with like spiritual entrepreneurs or cultural creative people. It's there's this, there's this love hate relationship. I love what money can do. Sometimes I hate not so much what I'm, what I have to do to get it, but it's more like that. There's an ickiness that I can't quite sort through. Like it's like, it's like depth and wealth don't go hand in hand. Like, and that is, you're not making that up in our culture. It's almost like you're extremely deep or you're wealthy and how do we bring these two together and I'm on a mission that these two things can go together right and some of my favorite clients are those people that can embody both and that's what I love about wisdom I love that about wisdom 2.0 is that they're bringing that conversation into the spiritual preneurship and the meaningful consciousness like that's there's a merging here so I love that but the other piece that I, I run into a lot is that People feel often a lot of money shame, no matter how much they have or how little they have, right? It's almost like damning, damning me if I do, if I don't, if I have too much, you know, will people judge me for that? Will they think differently of me? Are they going to want something of me? And if they have too little, then they feel insecure that I can't show up to play in that field like I would like to. And so, you know, it makes me chuckle because it makes, it kind of normalizes the fact that all of us will have some type of money shame we have to work through ours or our families. 
And it's just like clearing up those ancestral wounds, right? And so those are two of the main threads that I see. And what I find a part is that the more we talk about it, you know, it's like, I love hearing people's money stories because it's like they talk about it and they go, ah, I feel better. You know, it's like we're not like we talk more about everything else, like even more about sex than money. Well, sex is the number one talked about topic <laughs> on in the Google searches. So, yeah. Oh, that's hysterical. Talk about sex. So maybe we, yeah. if we made our money relationship more sexual, yeah. then we would discuss it more. But I think, um, you know, so what are some of the things that we can start doing? Like, how long does it take for your clients to make a shift? when it comes to their relationship with money? Is it, what's the magic number? Is it 30 days? In yoga, we say, you know, we do a mandala, which is 40 days. So what are we, what are we talking about here? There's different levels of shift. Um, I think doing one conversation with money can shift something, right? And so, and partly, and I'm going to name this (laughs) because I feel like everyone has a resistance when I guide them through that exercise. But when you change chairs, and you're speaking back to yourself from the place of money, something shifts somatically, mm-hmm. right? And so an immediate shift can happen there. It's almost like, you know, you go have a really good workout. You walk out of the gym feeling just better about yourself. Like there's an endorphin that gets released. And so, so there's, so immediate shifts can happen the more we do that meditative practice. Now you don't just go to the gym one day of the year. And say like, oh, I got my exercise in, right? There is finding a rhythm and building a muscle. So I agree with the whole 40-day thing. If we're practicing something for 40 days, we build a new muscle that has muscle memory. So, um, you know, a lot of times, like I'll lead people on shorter cleanses and then longer programs so that they can continue that muscle building. And then when I let them go, you know, hopefully they'll maintain it. But the shift can happen immediately, but it has to be then sustained for it to go deeper and deeper and deeper. But we could say out of any yoga practice or any meditative practice, right? So what's your personal practice? Oh, so my personal practice, I've actually figured out a way that it fits so beautifully into my life. I am a mate drinker. So I love my mate tea first thing in the morning. So I'll wake up normally at six. I'll boil my water. I'll pour my tea and it takes 10 minutes for my tea to seep. So while my tea is seeping, I go in my night robe and light a candle and I have my conversation with money every morning first thing. And it just takes 10 minutes. Sometimes I'll still be like half asleep and just like stare at money. I'm like, oh my gosh, five minutes have gone by and we haven't even chatted. But I will have that conversation and I don't get up until I've at least changed places once. So I'll go and have a conversation. I'll speak the money with response. Sometimes I'll do it more, but at least I do that once. And then when I'm done you know, my cup of hot tea is waiting for me and then I'll start my day. And that's about 10 minutes and you've been doing that for a long time. Oh my gosh, years, years. And I do it Monday through Friday. On the weekends, I'm much more flexible. You know, maybe I'll say hello here or there, but Monday through Friday, religiously, that is my practice. Um, One thing to note too, I have little money altars all around my house Right. And so, you know, because I've been working with different money objects. And so sometimes I'll just pass by and I'll touch. I'll say hello. Right. Just like if you were passing, you know, passing the hall with a family member and you just say hello. And it's like and that's I think ultimately a part of money is my family member. Like that is how I treat it. That is how I experience it. Sometimes it tells me harsh things. 
that like, you know, grow up Elizabeth face this situation. But most of the time I really feel it has my back. And so I think my biggest offering to the world is for them is for people to somatically be in relationship with money. It's not just words, but to feel it in their body. Like money has my back. Like I have no doubt that money has my back. I feel it just by talking to you. So if I were to walk around your house, I would see like $100 bills every so often. Mm-hmm. Underneath a little candle, yeah. you know, or like it's just there. Like my daughter's six. I'll sometimes make her do, not make her, but I'll invite her to do coin collages. You know, it's just, it's fun. Um, so, you know, for some people, they have their Lakshmi altars, but it's just, you know, money. It's like it, it's picture is around my house. Actually, it's uh, funny you bring up the uh, perfect timing that you bring up the Lakshmi altars because we're about to go into Diwali, which is the kind of the Indian festival of lights and also a new year and new beginning. And the way that's cultivated is through kind of honoring uh, the wealth and abundance. So people are encouraged to clean up their homes and invite Lakshmi, which is the goddess of wealth, into their home and create an environment that is festive and fun and with lights and so forth just cultivating a bunch so people tend to buy a lot share a lot give give receive and and also i mean we're also embracing on the on the christmas time and the holiday time that's going to be coming up just very very soon so it's a really good time for us to have this um, conversation and really create a framework for our audience to uh, embrace the holiday season, especially right now where if you are struggling with money, sometimes people can go really easily into a lack mind frame. Right. And it's really important uh, just based on what I've experienced to always cultivate a, a, a time of abundance. Like no matter what we always say in the yogic wisdom, no matter how little you may have of something, it's important to share and give. And only then can you have an abundance. Yeah, exactly. Like I hear you say that and I'm just hearing the word generosity. Like this is the season to experience gratitude, right? Thanksgiving is coming and then generosity. And what I would say is that like, if, if you need a starting question with money, right? You're like, well, this isn't working. We're in this conversation. Start with that question. Say money. How can I practice generosity giving my, given my current situation in a way that I don't then feel resentful, right? Cause sometimes, cause I'm not saying like go overspend and put things on credit cards for you to then be scrambling in the new year to pay it off. But I agree with you, Aparna. Generosity can, can, be, can, can happen at any price level, right? Even if that means you hand-making a dozen of cards and putting your heart and joy into it and just like get giving words of appreciation. But practicing generosity, we can't let scarcity not, like we can't not practice generosity because of scarcity, because then we get stuck. Absolutely. And so how do, and then going to, and, and trying that out, take that question to money and say, okay, you know, the, the holidays are coming. I want to practice generosity. Help me figure out a way to do it. That's within my situation. And then see what comes back, you know, see what comes back. Cause that's why we're not blaming money and saying, because you're not in my life, I can't practice generosity and money saying you made that up. You made that up. Because there's many non-monetary ways to practice generosity. And it's uh, one thing I cultivate in my own uh, 
a relationship with money that I find helpful is when I get a lot of bills. So I, instead of always dreading them and putting them aside on the side of my, in the corner of my apartment somewhere and just kind of not getting to it, I started saying now, well, you know, it's my time and day to play Santa for a day and just address all the bills because it really, if we didn't have the ability to pay them, we wouldn't, I mean, the mere fact that we can actually pay them and kind of release them out of our space is, is, the gift in a way yeah because bills are in a way a really um big stickler sometimes because we tend to get bills when we know we don't need that we tend to notice our bills when we are struggling with money right i've noticed in my personal experience so um that's when it's important to cultivate that abundance mindset and say and generosity gratitude Exactly. And I would say also connectedness, like bills. I know this is going to sound really funny, but bills keep us connected because it mm-hmm. keeps you connected to society, right? I'm just thinking of PG&E. It's keeping you connected to electrical currency, right? And so, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes when, when times are leaner and we don't have, and we're feeling the tightness around the bills, you know, that's just a great opportunity to be, is there something in my money life that's being asked to shift? Am I outgrowing an expiring structure? Is there new growth that's wanting to come that maybe I'm scared to implement, right? And so, but if we, if we pay those bills, almost like bowing down saying, thank you, this is keeping me connected to my society, then we show up and we ask those harder questions around what's needing to shift. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. This has been just wonderful. And um, so many things here, so many nuggets that we can just start practicing. And, and I already feel the kind of the, the, the gratitude and the gratefulness of this discussion and being able to share that with everybody. So to reach out to you, I think there are a couple of ways. Would you like to share that? Yes. Um, so I, I have two kind of offerings that I have in the world. The one that is more related to this conversation, it's um, the business is called Conversations with Money. The website is actually conversationsmoney.com. Um, so conversationsmoney.com, there's no with in the middle. And there I do, I like to do a lot of group offerings there. I do quarterly cleanses. My next one's going to be January um, early January. And the idea is how a lot of people, you know, will sit down and review their statements on a quarterly basis. We forget to also realign with some of our quarterly money intentions, right? And so it's not just reviewing statements. It's really saying, okay, for this next quarter, money and I, what's our goal? Well, what are we going to, you know, what are we going to address? And so part of these quarterly cleanses is to kind of like do a quick check-in, you know, hold you accountable for a series of conversations with money over three to four days. And then boom, you know what you're working on for that quarter. So those are some of my favorites. They're quick, they're easy. And it's, it's really, you know, I'm guiding you in money to, it's almost like punctual couples therapy, right? It's like, you know, you don't necessarily need handholding, but sometimes coming in and realigning. And then for some people who do want, uh, you know, a longer process, if they want to build a deeper muscle and they know that they work better being held in a group, I do offer three month programs. And the next one's going to happen February, 2017. And then in terms of actually organizing money matters, um, I'm also a financial planner and investment manager. And that website is called evolvewealthplanning.com. Um, you know, and it's, it's, 
it's funny. I do both. It's like, I do both the clearing up the money relationship, but then I also do the organizing the money home. And it's funny, a partner, I never thought I'd be doing both. It's amazing how life kind of unfolds. It's like, Oh, this is what you're doing. But there's a way that it helps me really hold people accountable because I know both worlds. Right. And so it's like, you know, I know if we've organized or not, and I know what the story is and I help dance in both of them. So it's a lot of fun. I really, I really enjoy being able to do both. And it's wonderful how you've been able to balance both. Mm -hmm. So it's just in a very beautiful way. So thank you for, for sharing. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.